You are now listening to the Faith Community Bible Church Podcast. It's our prayer that this message is not only a blessing to you, but to your entire family. Join us as we aim to make Christ known in our community by caring for the community. God bless. Romans chapter 5, and we're going to begin at verse 12. If you could please, let's stand together in unity as we read uh, God's holy word. Romans chapter 5, verses 12 through 21. And it reads as follows. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, in this way death spread to all people because all sin. In fact, sin was in the world before the law, but sin is not changed, excuse me, charged to a person's account when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who did not sin in the likeness of Adam's transgression. He is a type of the coming one. But the gift... It's not like the trespass. For if by the one man's trespass, the many died, how much more have the grace of God and the gift which comes through the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflowed to many. To the many. And the gift is not like the one man's sin because from one sin came the judgment resulting in condemnation. But from many trespasses came the gift resulting in justification. Since by one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who received the overflow of grace and the gift of righteousness reign? in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. So then, as through one trespass there is condemnation for everyone, so also through one righteous act there is justification leading to life for everyone. For just as though one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so also through one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Law came along to multiply the trespass, but where sin multiplied, grace multiplied even more. So also, grace will reign. So just uh, that, just as sin reigned in death, so also grace will reign through righteousness, resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Such is the reading of the word. The word of God is blessed. Father, we thank you for this space of time that we've come to honor you in your word. We pray that you will guide um, our thoughts. Give me clarity of speech. Till the hearts of each one of us that as we hear your word, God, it may go deep into the soil of our heart that it may bring forth fruit in its season. We thank you. We praise you. We magnify you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Let every heart say amen. 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 Thank you. You might be seated. 
the presence of God. I want to um, speak to you guys in this series in the book of Romans from um, uh, this subject, uh, the contradiction of grace. The contradiction of grace. Uh, there is a principle that many of us, if not all of us, are familiar with. We've all heard it, um, and some of us, like Melinda, have even stated this principle. And this, this principle that I'm speaking of is the principle of showing your work. When you're in school and in math class, say, they say, don't just put the answer on the paper, but you need to show your, your work. Showing your work means that you are writing down enough information to let someone else reproduce what you did to reach the answer that you received. If someone can tell you how you reached your answer without having to guess, you have effectively shown your work. Um, this is important because showing your work um, in an organized way helps you organize your thoughts, which in turn makes you less likely to make a mistake. In, in, in some cases, usually you, 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 you have your answers available, and if your answers doesn't match the book's answer, showing your work helps you figure out what you did wrong. When we go through tests, if you get the wrong answer, your instructor can use your work to figure out what you didn't understand and point it out so that you avoid that mistake in the future. Showing your work. A principle that is so vitally important, a tool, a resource that we have in mathematics and other areas of study to help us to better understand or to document our understanding of how we reached a particular answer. Here in our text today, uh, Romans 5, 12 through 21, Paul here, as he concludes this section of uh, this letter to the, uh, uh, the church at Rome, um, he, he summarized it um, showing the principles he has communicated in the previous four in a half chapters, he is communicating two main things. Man's need for God's righteousness and the imputation of God's righteousness. Those two main things. And so here in this latter part of Romans, the fifth chapter, the ending of this section of chapters one through five here, what Paul is doing is through some mention of his work, the conclusion of this section, he is um, in fact showing his work. He's showing how he came to the conclusion. He's showing how he got the answer that he this is important because Paul wants to ensure that each one of us, though we know the answer, that we can reproduce what Paul did. He explains it so that we can reproduce what he's explaining. 
We see here as he opens up this section, he's transitioning from um, the top half for we are, uh, God has given us justification by faith. And, and as uh, Pastor Burr so eloquently explained to us the benefits of being justified by faith and having the peace of God, he's transitioning here to close this section out to say this is how we are justified. This is how we are made righteous. And this is important because um, when we truly understand how we have been made righteous, then we can never walk in any sense of pride or arrogance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When we understand how we've been made righteous and how Christ's righteousness is imputed unto us, it deflates our human ego. Causes us to walk and to live in humility. This explanation helps us to understand what it took for us to have the righteousness of God imputed unto us. One of the things that I learned growing up, my parents used to always tell me when I would ask them if I could have something, can you go get me this or can you go buy me that? They will always say, you can work for it. So I used to get kind of mad because my friends didn't have to work for their new converses. But I had to work for my converses. One but $20. That was a long time ago, y'all. $20 for some verses. Them canvas joints, you know, the ones with the, they got the red, white, and blue ones. Them was the them ones. But I had to work for it. And, and so in, in the explanation that my parents gave me was that, um, Sometimes when we are given things, then we don't truly appreciate the weight of what it costs to have them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah come on, you got kids. Come on. Um, you, you, you know what it looks like. You're, you've asked parents for stuff. Sometimes if, if, if too many things are just given to us and we don't understand what it took to have them, sometimes we, we, we don't understand the weight of what it costs to have it. Here, here he opens up and he reminds us of a, a dilemma, this dilemma, this problem that affects all humanity, regardless of race or ethnicity, regardless of your economic standing, regardless of your uh, um, educational achievement. There is a universal human problem, and that problem is sin. Everybody, I don't care who you are, everybody just raise your hand. Everybody just raise your hand in here, right? Um, everybody with their hand up is guilty of sin. Everybody. So, so, so listen, so don't look around uh, trying to figure out what somebody else's sin is. Just know that, that you have sinned too. Uh, uh, um, you, you do sin too. Oh, yeah, okay. The contradiction of grace. Every problem, every dilemma, whether large or small, is inherently in search of a solution. Every problem, every dilemma is inherently in search and in need, if you will, of a solution. That's why it is a problem. 
It's a problem. And, and this problem that we have of sin is universal. Um, Paul has so eloquently stated in chapter 3 that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Paul has already stated that there is none righteous, no, not one. He covered the gambit, whether you are Jew or Gentile, no matter what neighborhood you grew up in. It didn't make a difference, St. Louis, what high school you went to. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Each one of us have a problem. Humanity has a problem. Listen, turn the news on and see the problem in our national government. Turn the news on and see the problem that we have internationally. Turn the news on See the problems we have throughout this city of St. Louis. Turn on and you might find out the problem you got in your life. It's a problem. And the problem is sin. Here he's recapping because, listen, God knew we was in a bad situation. And that we could not help ourselves. So just for a few minutes, I want to speak to y'all from this main point. The only solution for our sinful condition, it's God's grace through Jesus Christ. I'm going to say it one more time for the people in the vestibule. The only solution for our sinful condition is God's grace through Jesus Christ. There is no other way. You can't work your way um, out of this problem. You can't. Uh, trick your way out this problem. You can't fast talk your way out of this problem. You can't pay your way out this problem. You cannot um, appreciate the solution that God has for our sin problem without the grace of God. Listen, let's look at the text. It says in verse 12, therefore, we have faith in God, and thereby we are justified, and the righteousness of God is imputed to our lives. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, in this way, death spread to all people, because all have sinned. Um, sometimes we get caught up in, 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 in the weeds about the universality of the original sin. You know, people say it's unfair that because Adam sinned that we all guilty. You know what? That would be a fair argument if we didn't sin. Be fair. It'd be, I, I, I promise it would be a fair argument, but we sin. Listen, here what it's saying is just as sin entered the world through one man, through the transgression of Adam, Adam, um, sin entered into the world, and because of that sin, death through sin. In this way, death spread to all people because all so 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 you sin, and so God is not holding you against what Adam did, he's holding you against what you did. See, see I, I can't, Nate, 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 I can't pay for your sin. It would be unfair for God to, to even ask me to pay, but we all have sin, and I want us to grab this real quick, and we're going to move on. I promise that when we realize that we have transgressed God's law, 
And please don't come to me and tell me what the Bible says that he came to fulfill the law. So I don't have to I don't have to obey the law. No, because we are in in Christ and we 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 are made new because our faith in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Our desire is to do what he says. Because yeah, we are in relationship with him. He is a loving father. All have sinned because of Adam's sin. Um, 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 a sin was a transgression. Sin was introduced into the world. And because it was introduced into the world, so was death. And it spread to everybody. So all died because of sin. In fact, verse 13 says sin was in the world before the law. But sin is not charged to a person's account. When there is no law, nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who did no sin in the likeness of Adam's transgression. He is a type of the coming one. So, so what it's saying here is that, in fact, sin was in the world before the law. Because some people says that, well, um, it wasn't no sin before the law, but it was because Adam sinned. Adam sin. So sin was in the world. And be, um, even because it wasn't like Adam's sin, we were still committing sin. I'm, I'm going to bring it around. We were still committing sin. And it says here, before the law, um, um, sin was in the world. It's just that it wasn't brought to light. Right. So, so watch this. Watch this. It says this, that what, what, what the law did was the law act as a magnifier. A magnifier. Um, I know what that is because I got one on my phone and sometimes I had to use it to read stuff. But a magnifier doesn't add to what it's viewing. All a magnifier does is highlight and bring to life what's already there. So sin was already there, but what the law did was says, yeah, you sinning, let me magnify you so you can see it. Watch this. Um, the, the, the law came to point out our sin, to let us know, amen, that we are committing sins. And listen, the, the, those laws were to help us to always be mindful that, um, watch this, that we don't get it right. Don't get it right. To bring to light that we are not righteous in and of ourselves, but that we break God's law. It says, nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who did not sin according to Adam's likeness and his transgression. He is a type of the coming one. Death reigned because sin was present. Sin was the introduction to humanity of death for all people. We talk physical death and spiritual death. When God created mankind, he created us to live forever. When Adam and his wife Eve sinned against God, transgressed God's law, that law, the difference in what he did was Adam actually transgressed the law. He did, disobeyed what God said. Hear me. He disobeyed what God say. If you should eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall surely die. This was a command. He transgressed the law of God. He disobeyed it. He sidestepped it. Y'all know, y'all do the electric slide. He sidestepped it. 
He disobeyed God. So, so sin came into the world, and because other people didn't disobey a written law or a verbal law of God, they still had sin in their life. And sometimes, you know, we're trying to count the Ten Commandments, but I, I like it. I, I, I like Galatians. Galatians is, is my, my, one of my jams because Galatians don't, don't let you get a, 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 away from it. It says this, that, that we, we all sin, and the works of the flesh are these. Now, I'm, I'm going to turn there because... Um, um, God just put this in my spirit. Watch this. Watch this. It says this. Um, um, the works of the flesh are obvious. Hold on. Hold on. Yeah. See, that kind of reminds you what Paul said when he came um, and started writing to the church. Um, um, he said this. He said that we know there is a God by the things which are seen and unseen. He said that the works of the flesh are obvious. Stop saying I ain't no idea that. You ain't slipped. You ain't accidentally. You did it because you intentionally did it. It felt good to you. You liked how it made you feel in the moment. Now, the works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing. Watch this. For all y'all who said, oh, whoo. And any such thing, anything that look like that, anything that is um, a, 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 a front to God's holiness, anything that's a front to his righteousness, anything, right? Listen, I tell you the best test. Watch this. Um, they used to tell, uh, I used to be, uh, grow up, you know, got, got saved in the church of God in Christ. And uh, they, they used to say stuff like, if you look in the mirror and wonder if you should wear something, you shouldn't wear it. I promise I ain't going to go there. If something feels good to your flesh, <laughs> it's obvious. It's sin. I'm just saying, y'all, because we try to figure out what it is. See, that's why he's explaining this. That's why he's writing it down. He wants us to see this. He wants us to understand that all have sin. We have the sinful DNA of Adam. Everything that Adam was, we became in his likeness as sin. But the amazing thing is, at the end of verse 14, it says that Adam's trans, uh, he is a type of the coming one. This is watch this. I love this because what he's doing is he's fit to do this quick paradigm shift for us. He's about to change the dynamic because all of us are in trouble, right? Um, and y'all remember at the end um, um, of the old lassie, y'all. Okay, okay. Um, <laughs> at the end of lassie, right? You know, the little boy be over somewhere in some kind of well or something. And here come Lassie running. And then on the TV, it, 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 it would show um, to be continued. To, to be continued. All we know is that little Donnie was, I forgot his name, he was, in the, he was in the well. Timmy was in the well. And here come Lassie. But then while Lassie's running to the well, we, we see across the screen to be continued next week. Right here, what, 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 what he's saying is, all have sinned, come short of the glory of God. We all are sinful, just like Adam, to be continued. 
I, I love this. I love this transition because at first I'm down. I'm discouraged. I'm broken. I'm fractured. I don't see my help. But guess what? It ain't last seat that's coming. The coming one is coming. Jesus Christ himself to save me from this problem of sin that I have. He says he's the type of the coming one. How is he a type? He's a type not in what he did, but in what he represents. So Adam represents the headship of humanity. He represents the headship of humanity. Anybody who was born again was born in sin, shape, and inequity. Everybody was like Adam after his sin. But the coming one is a type in that he shall be a head. Mm. Well, listen, you know, I said, you already know the end of the story. And sometimes it's hard to keep your composure when you know Superman going to say today. It's hard to keep your composure. It's hard not to get excited. Um, I know that you're about to fall off the ledge, but guess what? He's coming. But the gift, this is, the, this is that paradigm shift. Here it is. You're sinful, you're broken, and you can't do nothing about it. But here's the paradigm shift. But the gift is not like the trespass. Ah, there it is right there. Woo. Boy, God loved me so much that when I couldn't do something for myself, he did it. Mm. For, for, for watch this. For by the one man's trans, trespass, the many died. How much more have the grace of God and the gift which comes through grace, the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflowed to many? Now, I want us to see this. I want us to see this. It says the gift is not like the trespass. Because of, because of the trespass, many people died. Um, when you translate that, it means all, all people died. There's, there's a two different translations in these minis, and I want you to pay attention to them. Many died, all died. Everybody raised their hand. You died. By one man's trans, trespass, the many died. How much more have the grace of God, the gift which comes through the grace of the one Jesus Christ, overflow? Grace. Grace. What is this thing? Grace. Grace. Grace is, um, as the translates to the Greek word, charis. It's equivalent to a Hebrew word called hes. Hes means loving kindness. It's a word used for grace in the Old Testament. It, it's how God dealt with his people with loving kindness. Y'all remember it said, with loving kindness have I I drew, I drew you in. With loving kindness, I sent you into Babylonian captivity. In loving kindness, I sent you into Assyrian captivity. With loving kindness, because even when he allowed them to be in captivity, he reminded them before he went in, I'm still your God. He said, with loving kindness. But this, 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 this Greek word here in the New Testament, the word charis usually means divine favor or goodwill. It also means that that which gives joy. Wait, come on, y'all. If I said grace, come on, you don't tell me you don't automatically just begin to feel something down on the inside. You don't feel some kind of joy because you know deep down inside you don't deserve it. Right. You know, the fact that you woke up on the wrong side of bed today, you don't deserve it. The fact that you treated somebody yesterday like, come on, like they wasn't a human being. You this, you don't deserve grace. It is his unmerited divine favor. It is his goodwill. It means that he gives to us this, which is a free gift. 
Oh, man, I love that. The free gift of grace. Grace is the gift of God. It is expressed in God's actions of extending mercy, love, and kindness, and salvation to people. Divine grace is embodied in the person of Jesus Christ. God's grace manifests in Jesus Christ makes it possible for God to forgive sinners and gather them together in his church. I just want to remind you guys that the only solution for our sinful condition is God's grace through Jesus Christ. His grace, this contradicting grace, this paradigm shift contradicts everything that was before it. See, remember that there's a problem, there's a dilemma. Anytime there's an answer, it has to run adversely to what has been presented because it, it is the same. It can't fix the problem that is at hand. It has to challenge the problem. It has to challenge the dilemma. It has to bring an answer to the problem that is at hand. Look at what God did. He saw broken, sinful people who were, who were broken and sinful to the core. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I was like, like sinner, sinner. Y'all know, like, for real, for real, I was like a sinner, sinner. Deep down in the core, I, I did some stuff. Hey, 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 I'm taking to the grave. Grace, grace sees all that. Grace knows all that. Grace knows stuff that nobody else knows about you. Grace knows that, 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 that you don't deserve um, a relationship with God, that you deserve the death that you so rightfully look forward to. Grace said, you're supposed to die. That's what I love about grace. Grace knows everything about me, but grace is still grace. Uh, the nature of grace said that even though, in spite of, I'm saying, woo, woo, in spite of, yeah, come on, y'all, come on, just add them up. You know, just add them up. I'm, I'm making you think about all the stuff I did just last month. Sometimes folks try to go back to when they was in the high school. I did some stuff last week. <laughs> Real talk. <laughs> Real talk. But grace, grace, grace came in to meet us where we were. Grace was God's love. Grace is that authentic, organic expression of God's character toward sinful man that he can bring them into relationship with himself. Grace said that I want to restore you to where I created you. Mm. Yeah, it, 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 see, it takes a creator to fix something so broken as us, put us back together again, and still use us for his glory. Come on, come on. You put stuff together, you see glue lines, you see the Gorilla Glue hanging all off the side of it, you can tell it's been broken, right? But the thing about grace is, grace puts us back together and uses us like we've never been broken. The grace of God, the grace of God is not about how much money you have. The grace of God is not about how many times you attend church. The grace of God is about God's love toward broken people. <clears throat> I'm so thankful that grace don't depend on me, but it is, it is inherently a part of who God is, his character and his nature. He's loving God. He is, come on, he's a faithful God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, he's faithful. Watch this. I'm, 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 give me five more preaching minutes for the gift of God. 
grace. This is what got me right here. It says, how much more have the grace of God, the gift which comes through grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflowed? I'm sorry, y'all. Get, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling this thing because it said it overflowed. Now, remember, now, we were sin. All have sin. Fall short of glory, God. We were broken, but grace came in and overflowed. Come on, come on, come on. That's what Paul, that's, that's why God told Paul that no matter what you go through, my grace is sufficient because it overflows. Uh, y'all, come on, y'all. Overflow is a present tense word that means no matter where you are and what you're going through, that's still enough. Hey, hey, ain't you glad that you can't wear God's grace out? Ain't you glad that his grace don't expire? Ain't you glad that it ain't that last shot in the corner of the Pepsi bottle? It overflows. Thank you for your overflowing grace, God. Thank you that anytime I need you, your grace is sufficient. That's why Paul said, when I'm weak, I'm strong in him. Yeah, 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 because his grace is overflowing. It's overflowing. It's overflowing. I love that. He said it's overflowing to the many, to the many. And let me make sure that we set this theological precedence here, that nobody get off track. This is not saying that just because of the grace of God, everybody just covered. Because some folks say, oh, Jesus Christ died for me, um, but you ain't died for him. Mm. He said this, and the gift, I'm, I'm going to get to that point, though. And the gift is not like the one man's sin because from one sin came the judgment resulting in condemnation. But from many trespasses came the gift resulting in justification. One man's trash. God can use the sin in our life. That's what grace does. Grace takes everything you are, everything you've done, and he forgives you. And because of Jesus Christ and the finished work of him on the cross, we are now justified, right? He took the trespasses, which means you qualified. Yeah, come on. <laughs> Oh, yeah, you qualify. Yeah, you qualify. You, it's like being an Oprah. Everybody get one. Everybody trespasses. Everybody deserves. Listen, listen. Everybody deserves death and condemnation. But Grace said, because the trespass qualifies you for the gift. Justification is being made right. Verse 17 says, since by one man's trespass, death reigned through the one man, how much more will those who receive the overflow? Now listen, this is where the many, the many is expressed and explained. Faith, we are saved by We are saved by. I gotta bring my sign in, baby. I gotta bring. We are saved by. Come on, I'm, I'm gonna keep going until we get it right. Y'all be teaching the classroom until we get this. Do we get this problem right? We gonna keep saying it. We are saved by through ah, the overflowing grace of God. Uh, it comes into our life, but we are saved when we apply our faith. 
to the grace of God. That's what makes us a part of his church, his kingdom. That's what makes us benefactors of his grace is that when we receive it. I'm going to shorten the story. It's a story about a man, um, two men. Um, they robbed, they robbed uh, a Western Union or a post office. Uh, man, back in the day, they robbed the post office, and both of them uh, went to prison. And so they, they stood trial. The one man stood trial, and um, he, he was, um, he was uh, what do you call it, put to death. The other man, because he had some friends in high places, um, made a few phone calls, and the president um, pardoned the man. He pardoned him. He pardoned him. He said, listen, you don't have to die. He good. Set him free. So they came, and he stood before the judge, and the judge says, listen, sir, you have been pardoned by the president. So the man said, I don't accept it. I don't accept this pardon, judge. So the lawyer looked over at the judge and said, judge, listen, he's been pardoned. Is there something you can do? Can, can you force him to accept this pardon? And the judge says, no. A pardon can only become in effect if the person who it's given to receives it. Y'all, y'all, and, and, and how many of you know that we are all guilty of sin and God himself through his son Jesus Christ has given us a pardon. Ah, oh, but you can't appreciate it. You can't benefit from it until by faith you receive the grace of God. You say by grace through faith, since by one man's trespass death reigned through the one man, how much more would those who receive the overflow? I still get excited about that word, overflow. Overflow. How many of you know you're living in your overflow? Yeah, you quit a long time ago. You don't even realize it. If you look back over your life, you drag, you can see drag marks, not footprints, drag marks. <laughs> drag marks. Yeah, I don't want to go. The overflow is what's kept you. The overflow is what kept you from losing your mind. The overflow is what kept you from going postal. The overflow is what kept you from cussing folk out. The overflow of grace. And watch this. The overflow is what's been there even when you sin. Grace. That's God's grace. That he is just and faithful to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all un righteousness, the gift, the overflow of grace, the gift of righteousness reigned in your life through one man, Jesus Christ. When I read the King James verse, it was amazing because I saw that verses um, 14 through 17 uh, were um, him speaking parenthetically, which means they were in parentheses, right? So what he was, he was kind of summing up um, um, 12, 13, 18, through 21, he was trying to kind of give a little backdrop so we can understand how to work out this problem. Why is it important that we get to the answer that we arrive at? So then verse 18 says, that's why that transition is there. So then, in, uh, in light of everything you heard, so then, as through one man's um, trespass, there is condemnation for everyone. So also through righteous, one righteous act, there is justification leading to life for everyone. Watch this. So also through one righteous act, there is justification leading to life for everyone. The contradiction of grace. 
when Adam sinned and, and, and death came into the world and condemnation, immediately following this trespass, we see grace. And somebody say, well, how, how, how do you see grace um, immediately following? Well, if, if you turn your Bible over to Genesis 3.15, just write it down because we're going to keep it moving. This is what he said to that serpent. He said, I'm going to put hostility between you and the woman. <sighs> Look at y'all. I, I watch y'all. Boy, you know, you know, that's what I'm saying, y'all. God don't have to wait on nothing. No, 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 notice what he did. He said, I will put hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring, he's talking to the serpent, Satan, and her offspring, her son. Yeah, yeah, which is um, messianic. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. So, so what happened in 315 is immediately following the trespass, God gave the answer. God gave the answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And through the annals of time, God continued to give the answer. In Isaiah 9, uh, 6 and 7, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Consular, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, and of his increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. This is the answer. Isaiah 5, 53, 1 through 2 says, who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form of comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should behold him. This is the answer. The answer is Jesus. Um, but like Paul, um, God didn't just want you to have the answer. He wanted to show his work. He wanted to demonstrate how he got to the answer. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Come on, I know you ain't been in Sunday school, but come on, that's still a life-giving verse. That whosoever believeth on him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. He demonstrated, he showed his work. How did he show his work? That God demonstrated his love this way. That while we were yet sinners. Come on, y'all, while you was, so, so some of y'all don't understand that yet. That's old church talk. Yet, yeah. while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What does all this do? It's God demonstrating and showing his work. He's showing his work of the con 
contradiction of grace. He's showing how <clears throat> when nobody else could, when no one else could um, come against that, this death that reigned in our life, no one else could bring us to a place of deliverance. He showed us how he did it. How did he do it? You know, we talk oftentimes about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And most time we talk about the gospel and sharing it with people who don't believe. But I need you to understand that in order to understand the answer, you got to understand the process. You got to see what God did to get us to where we are. Come on, the only way we can shout on Sundays, the only way we can dance, the only way we can raise our hand, the only way we can have true joy is to know how we receive this gift of grace. I need you to understand it's not because you woke up one morning and said, I'm going to church. It's not because your big mama prayed with you in the back room at the house. No, it's not. It's because God loved you so much that he did for you what he couldn't do for himself. What did he do? The Bible says that he stepped out of eternity, stepped into time, wrapped himself in humanity in order that he could beat the devil at his own game. He's the only one that was wrapped in flesh that defeated flesh. He's the only one who lived sinless that the enemy could not attack. He was, Adam was not his head, but God was his head. And he came to do something that we could not do for ourselves. He worked it out. How did he, he work it out? Well, I reminded that um, Adam sinned in the Garden of um, Eden, but Jesus Christ um, submitted in obedience in the Garden of Gethsemane. Somebody said he walked from Judgment Hall to Judgment Hall. Somebody said they put a crown of thorns on his head. They struck him on his back. Somebody said uh, in the Word of God that they hung a tree on his back. This is the process. I need you to understand how we went from condemnation to grace. It's because Jesus Christ, the Bible says, went a little further. Every time he hit a, a, a hiccup in the road, every time he hit a bump, he still went a little further. Why? Because he said, I come to do the will of my Father. I come to seek and to save those who were lost. I got to take back my family. Adam think he's the head of my family, but no, I'm the head of my own family. So Jesus, who came through 42 generations, hung on Calvary's cross in order to beat the enemy at his own game. And what I love about it was, is that as he hung up on the cross, before he hung his head, he said, Adam, it is finished. No more death. No more condemnation. No more brokenness. No more sorrow. I've given grace to those who are broken, those who are condemned, those who are sinful. That is the process. God showed his work, and his work was completed on Calvary. So now, y'all, y'all thought I was closing. <laughs> Why you did that in a long time? Ooh, boy. Thank you, uh, Elder Sheldon. Ooh, Jesus. I'm sorry, y'all. I've been sick. I'm dry. So listen, everyone so also through one righteous act. That was the act. Christ died on Calvary. That was the act. That was God demonstrating his work to sinful mankind of how much he loved us in order that he might extend grace um, to us. All those who believe. For just as though, verse 19, just as though through one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. 
So also, through the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Watch this. This is it. The law came along to multiply the trespass, to highlight, to bring to the surface. But where sin multiplied, watch this, grace multiplied even the more. Watch this. Where sin multiplied, when you look at the translation of this word, it, that, that, that multiplied in the second sense means it's, it, it's super abounded. It's super multiplied. Y'all, see, see, watch this. The, the, the grace is greater than the sin. And so it can't be equal to the sin. It has to be greater than the sin. Grace, where, 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 where trespasses multiply, but where sin multiplied, grace multiplied even more. This is what's exciting to me because I couldn't sin my way out of God loving me enough to save me. The law came. He multiplied it. Verse, verse 21. So just as sin reigned in death, so also grace will reign through righteousness resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. What is the implications of the contradiction of grace? The only solution. The only solution. For the sinfulness of mankind is the grace of God in Jesus Christ. The implication for us is that we get to experience the joy of God through the grace of God. And one thing about it, that God loved us so much that he just didn't give us an answer. He showed us his work. He demonstrated to us how much he loved us. So the question is, are you showing yours? What are you demonstrating that God's grace is active in your life? Is our light yet shining in dark places? Are we being sought in the corrupt world? What are we doing to show our work? Listen, I'm not out of context. Listen. The Bible says don't just be hearers, but be. The Bible says work out your soul salvation with fear and trembling. It's not that we work for salvation, we work from salvation. Something in our life ought to show the powerful work of God in our lives. Come on, something ought to be different, something ought to change. That's a paradigm shift in our life. We're no longer under the headship of Adam. We're under the reign of Jesus Christ and his grace that is present in our life. What are we displaying? What are we demonstrating? What are we showing? Come on, we love him. He, he's done everything for us. We understand the, 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 the process that God went through to save us, but what are we willing to give to him? It's amazing is you ain't got to buy grace. All you got to do is receive it. And once you receive it, you walk it out and you live it out. How? Look, look at 1 Corinthians and I'm closing. 1 Corinthians 15, 45 through 49 says this. This is the implication. So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last, Adam, became a life-given spirit. However, the spirit is not first, but the natural, then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven, like the man of dust. So are those who are of the dust. Like the man of heaven. Look at this. Listen to this. So are those who are of heaven. 
And just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, here it is, saints, here it is, believers, we will also bear the image of the man of heaven. Listen, we cannot effectively say we're Christians if we don't look like Christ. It changes something. It does something in us that, that, that permeates on the outside of us. Come on, we, we ought to be a display, an open display and a witness of God's powerful grace at work in our lives. Because he loved us so much. Romans is more than this book of theology. It's also a book of practical exhortations. Y'all heard me say this at the beginning of the series. The good news of Jesus Christ is more than just facts to be believed. It's a life to be lived. A life of righteousness befitting the person justified freely by God's grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Once we experience God's grace, it begins a work in our life that goes on into eternity. As I close, it reminds me of the benediction or the doxology in Jude, verses 24 and 25. It says, now unto him who was able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory. Watch this, with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory, power, dominion, both now and forevermore. The grace of God carries us into the presence of our God throughout eternity. If you're here today, that's not your story. If you still going to Adam's family reunion, right now, I offer Christ to you. If you're still living in sin and condemnation, right now, I offer Christ to you. The most important decision that you can ever make in your life is to accept Jesus Christ in the pardon of your sin. The reality is, the reality is, you guys, is this. If you don't have Jesus, you die and you spend eternity apart from God. That is a reality. It's not a scare tactic. It's a reality. But right now, in this moment, the grace of God is reaching out to you. If you're here and you're unsaved and you said, today is the day that I want to make Jesus Christ my Lord and my Savior. I want to receive the grace of God. Raise your hand. Stand up. Let it be known so that we, one of our leaders can come and to help you begin this journey with Jesus Christ. If you're online and you say, this is me, I'm in my living room and I know it's time for me to accept Christ, please, please, please send us an email fcbcstl.com forward slash response and there let us know that you're ready to offer your life to the Lord. Matter of fact, matter of fact, let's not wait. Right now you can accept them into your life.
If you truly believe that God demonstrated his love to a broken, sinful people who could not, amen, um, deliver themselves. But Jesus Christ on Calvary's cross took your sin and you're ready to give your life for his. You can accept him right now. The Bible says that if you would confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. This, this is your story right now. Send us an email and say, I just accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. It's time, y'all. We got a message that we got to proclaim in the world. And listen, I don't believe in, in, in politics from the pulpit. The one thing I do know is that we can, in fact, affect our city in our world, if we demonstrate effectively that Jesus Christ is Lord, we can make changes if we faithfully are obedient to God. Remember, God loved us so much that he gave the contradiction of grace to deliver us from condemnation and sin. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. You're an awesome God. You're holy. You're righteous. And you hate sin. But God, we're living witnesses that you love us and your grace is uh, um, an expression of how much you love us. That even when we were broken and couldn't do anything for ourselves, grace reached out to save us from sin and condemnation. God, I thank you that I'm constantly reminded of this, Lord God, that I never get so puffed up that I forget that I didn't pay for this. I didn't buy it. I didn't do anything to get it. But Christ, it's because of you. And I say thank you for it today, God. I thank you for those who are here, those who are struggling in their walk. Let them be strengthened and renewed, Lord God, knowing that the grace of God is there to keep them, to give them strength, to help them walk in joy, to have peace in their life, Lord God. God, I pray now that the grace that we've experienced from you, that we're willing to extend it to others. Let us love one another. Let us entreat one another as brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord God. And let the grace of God that dwells in us reach out to those who are yet lost, that they may experience that same grace. We thank you today, Lord God, for this opportunity just to share in your word. Bless us. Keep us is our prayer. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray that every heart say amen. Amen. Come on, give God a hand clap of praise. Thank you for listening to the Faith Community Bible Church podcast. We hope you were encouraged by the message on today. To respond to today's message, please go to fcbcstl.com forward slash respond. If you would like to give to support the mission and vision of Faith Community Bible Church, you can go to fcbcstl.com forward slash give. God bless.